understanding would be enlightened, Father, that we might know what is the hope of your calling and the glory of the riches of your inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe your word. Father God, we just ask you right now that the people would prepare their hearts to be good ground to receive the seed of the word that will bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. We thank you, Father, that you confirm your word with signs following in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, we want to continue uh, this week um, on the, along the lines of exercising authority. Amen. Uh, one of the things that we wanted to bring out about this is, is that by right of birth, into the kingdom. Because remember, we, you must be born again, right? Jesus told Nicodemus, and, and much emphasis has been placed on the fact that you've got to be born again, right? Jesus taught one time, taught one man one time, at sometime between 12 o'clock at night and 3 in the morning, one time in the Bible Jesus mentions get born again, Right? But all through the Bible, Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven, enter into the kingdom. And remember, we've said this, and it might sound redundant, but we want to keep this before you because this is a tremendous paradigm shift that most people in the body of Christ don't have. When we're talking kingdom of God, we're not talking of a place. We're talking about the government, the administration of God. And so the way you get in the kingdom is that you are born again. So when you make Jesus Lord... When you, can, when you make a covenant with your mouth, you make Jesus Lord. That means He's the supreme authority in your life. It means that the Word of God is the supreme authority in your life. Something happens on the inside of you that we, that we call the new birth or your spirit man who was dead. The Bible says uh, that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but you become made alive unto God. When you make Jesus your Lord, your spirit man comes alive. And so at that point, you are born into the kingdom. You become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You're born again. And this thing, by the right of the new birth, you are invested with authority. And we said this, we spent a lot of time that first week talking about that authority is the, is the uh, delegated use of power. And remember, we made a distinction between authority and power. They're not the same thing. And we used the example of a police officer, that when you look at a police officer in uniform, he, the thing, two things that get your attention the most is the, ba- is the badge and the gun. And the badge represents the authority. Authority is that, that whatever municipality that police officer is in, that city has authorized him to act on behalf of the city to enforce its laws, that, that they have, their laws and ordinances that they have passed. And if a person does not respect just the, 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 along with that authority, he carries a gun that is, uh, and authority is exousia, the gun is dunamis, and, and in the Bible, dunamis is, is the force, uh, it is literally miraculous force to, to carry out something. And so authority means you have been given the right by God. When you were born again, you were vested with authority. We understand this is that you can have something and not use it. Dare say that some of us, we probably own exercise equipment that we don't use. Well, guess what? You've got it. You've got exercise equipment in your house, right? You've got, you know, you got some, might be, might be a couple of dumbbells. And I'm not talking about your husband and your kids or your wife and your kids. You might have some dumbbells in the house. You might have some, uh, you know, set-up machine. Lord God, you might even have one of those crazy-looking gazelle things. I, thought, I saw those things. I thought, Dear Lord, that thing is crazy-looking. It looks like, I mean, you swing your legs back and forth. But the guy, I guess, got rich doing it. Yeah, okay. But how many of you know 
that just because you got the exercise equipment in the house doesn't mean you're making use of it. So therefore, because you don't use it, you don't get the benefit of the equipment, right? So it's sort of like the same thing. When you've got authority, God's saying, I have given you authority. Um, Brother Kenneth E. Hagin um, is a tremendous man of God. That you know, I attended the Bible school that he founded. And in his book, uh, the, the Authority of the Believer, he re- retells a story, and Brother Hagin, if you heard him minister, he told the story several times because it was a time in his life when uh, the Lord Jesus appeared to him in a vision and began to speak to him concerning th- about things concerning the Word. Now, some people might say, oh, I just don't believe that. I just don't believe Jesus. Well, he appeared to Paul, didn't he? Okay, now why if he would do, do we certain, does the Bible say, I, I, did God say I'm the same today, yesterday, today, and forevermore? I don't change. Okay, so if God appeared to anybody in the New Testament, if we can read stories about how Jesus appeared to someone and spoke to them, that if it can happen, if it's recorded in the Bible, it can still go on in our lifetime, right? It can happen today. Can you can you believe that Jesus Christ would appear to you in a vision and speak to you and concerning and give you revelation concerning things in His Word? Certainly He would. But now you understand this. There's, there's some people who have got off in error because this is, again... Brother, and Brother Hagin shares this in his story when he's talking about the authority of when Jesus appeared to him in a vision. And the Lord Jesus began to share some things with him uh, con, uh, uh, concerning the Word and telling him some things uh, that Brother Hagin even said, Now, now Lord, uh, the, the one story, in, the story he tells in particular is while Jesus is talking to him about something, that while he's talking, uh, that it's, a, it's a, just an open vision. Brother Hagin is in a trance. He's been praying. He goes into a trance and he looks up and it's almost like the ceiling of the room disappears and Jesus is standing about where the ceiling would have been in, in his vision. And so while he's watching this vision and Jesus is talking to him and sharing some stuff, with some revelation with him, while that's going on, all of a sudden this little demon appears in between him and Jesus and starts just jumping up and down and, and making this shrill little sound. And while it's doing that, this smoke screen's coming out and filling the room and he can't see Jesus he can hear Jesus' voice, but he can't understand him for the noise that this demon is making. And so he said that in his mind he's thinking, doesn't Jesus know that this demon is here and it's making this noise and it's putting out this guy? And I can't, doesn't Jesus know? I can't see him and I can't understand him. Doesn't Jesus know that? And, he, and so he said he felt frustration building in because Jesus is speaking to him. How many of you would want to listen and pay close attention if Jesus is speaking to you? Amen. Well, guess what? Whenever the Word is being taught, Jesus is speaking to you, right? Amen. Praise God. But you understand there's a difference when it's a, 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 a vision and the Lord Jesus speaking to you. And said, Brother Hagin said, all of a sudden, said, he pointed at that demon. He said, in the name of Jesus, shut up. And it just went boom and fell right to the floor. And the smoke cleared out, and it was dead silent. He said, now get out of here in Jesus' name. And it took off. And he said that in this vision, he said that when he did that, said that Jesus looked at him, and he said, I'm glad you did something about that because I couldn't do anything about that. And Brother Hagin said, I just shook my head, and he said, now, now, Lord, he said, what did you say? He said, he said, it sounded to me like you said, if I didn't do something about it, that you couldn't. But you didn't say you couldn't. You said you wouldn't, right? And Jesus said, no, I said that if you didn't do something about it, I couldn't do something about it. Brother Hagin said, he shook his ears again. He said, now, Lord, he goes, I know something's wrong with me, Jesus. Something's wrong. I'm not hearing right. 
uh, Lord, you said if I didn't do something about that, that you w- uh, wouldn't do something about that, not that you couldn't, right? And Jesus said, no. I said if you didn't do something about that, I couldn't do something about it. And so, uh, and so Brother Hagin said, and this is what I'm saying, is this is how you weigh visions. It said, now, he said, now, Lord, I, I just can't hardly believe that. You're going to have to give me at least two scriptures. The Word says, let everything be established by the mouth of two or three witnesses. You're going to have to give me some scripture to back that up. And he said, he, Brother Hagin said, you know, the Lord, he said, you'd have thought, some people might have thought that Jesus would have got impatient and been snippy with him. He said, he said I'll, I'll do you one better. I'll give you three. And so the Lord Jesus began to go ahead and take Brother Hagin to three scriptures uh, in the Bible that he used to teach him about the authority of the believer and that Jesus had given authority to, to men on the earth. And he used, um, he, used some, uh, he used where Jesus was talking about giving authority. He used some scripture that Paul gave, and he took some scripture out of, uh, out of Peter. So there are three New Testament uh, verses that he gave him. One was the words of Jesus, one was the writings of Paul, and one was in Peter. And you can find that. that you know, we can get that book for you easy, but what I want you to see is, is that that authority that it, that it has been given to us, what authority, and you understand this, is that you don't... That once authority is granted, there is expectation that the person that's given the authority walks in it. Here, here's what I want to say, is how many of you have ever seen, is John Freddy still the mayor of Valdosta? I can't remember. I think so. How many of you all know you're not going to see John Freddy out driving a police car pulling people over for speeding? You're not going to see the mayor, right? The mayor of the city is not going to go out and be pulling people over that are speeding. The mayor of the city is probably not going to be standing out in the middle of an intersection if there's a power outage and waving traffic on and blowing a whistle and stopping this traffic and bringing this people. He's not. Why? Because they've hired police officers and they've given them the authority to go out and to enforce the ordinances of the city. Right? You're not very often going to see the, the, the mayor in SWAT gear knocking down the door on a crack house and going in with a machine gun, yeah, an assault rifle, and arresting people in a crack house or making a drug raid. Why? Because they hire police officers, and then they give them the authority. They give them authority and, and dunamis, right? They give them authority and power to go out and do those things. And so it's not the mayor's job to go out and enforce the laws of the city. He hires police officers to do it. And so this is what, when Brother Hagin uh, had this vision, this is really the spiritual truth that Jesus was trying to communicate to him, is, is that once I delegate authority to you over a specific uh, thing, it's yours. And it's not Jesus' place to enforce what God's commands and God's laws are in the, ch- in the church. Jesus, that authority, you know, we see this in, uh, in Matthew chapter 28, which is one of our key texts, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, right? So Jesus has delegated authority to us uh, in the world. And so we talked about what authority was, that the prerequisite to walking in authority is you had to be submitted to God. If you're not submitted to God and you're not submitted to His Word, then you are effectually limiting your, your ability to exercise authority. And understand this, and like I said, exercising authority is different than just possessing it because you can have the weight equipment in the house and not use it 
and, you, and you're not going to get the benefits of it. A police officer, could is it possible that a police officer could be hired to do a job and, they, and enforce the laws of a municipality and they don't do it? Sure it is, right? Uh, so you understand that authority has to, uh, has to be exercised. Unexercised authority is the same as not having any authority. Amen? You realize that, that there's no difference. You can have it and not exercise it or not have it to exercise it all, but the end result is the same. There are, th- there are things that will go on that shouldn't be, uh, uh, sh- you shouldn't be allowed to take place. So, there, that, And then the, re- the prerequisite is we're submitted to God's Word. We're doing what God's Word says. And you understand this. If you only did one thing, is there, is there, is there one rule in the Scripture that if, that if we can, or two rules, let's put it this way, two rules. Let's just boil it right down. It's because a lot of people won't get hung, all hung up on stuff. When Jesus said there's two things that the law and the prophets hang on, right? Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know if we just did those things? Huh? People want to talk about and, you know, and we understand that love just, love just means I, I don't do anything to your harm. Love works no ill to its neighbor. Love means I'm not going to, if I, if I really love Rosalie, then I'm not going to do anything to her uh, to cause her harm and to hurt her and to cause loss and, and to cause her quality of life to be diminished because of a direct action of something that I did. Right? If, I really, if I'm really walking in love toward Jimmy, I, you know, this is the thing, you know, let's talk about the Ten Commandments, okay? If I love Jimmy, I'm not going to kill Jimmy, right? <laughs> Amen? Uh, you know, if I love Jimmy, I'm not going to go steal something from him. Right, you know, all these things. You know, if you, if you're loving somebody, right? That and so we're talking about being submitted to the word. So the real indicator of <laughs> thank you, Lord. So you want to find the most reliable indicator to whether someone is submitted to the word and submitted to God or not. Check their love walk. Amen. Boy, that makes it simple, don't it? You want to find so because someone you're kidding yourself. And so when we start speaking to things and speaking to circumstances. And this is just something good for us. It's good for us to examine ourselves because this thing, how many of you know if, if I'm going to the gym and I'm working out and I'm pushing myself hard and I'm eating good food and I'm taking my vitamins and saying my prayers and I want to make strength gains, um, if I'm going to get up at 5.15 in the morning and go to the gym and work out with Pastor Mike Krulsick and want to see my bench press go up, how many of you know if, if I do that for a couple months, and I'm still bench pressing the same amount of weight as I was two months earlier. I want to go. I want to start taking some inventory and saying, okay, what am I doing? Because there's something I'm doing that's not getting me the results. Because I'm getting up at five fifteen, I'm going. I'm doing the workout. What am I eating? What am I doing? I begin to. You know, you got to begin to take an inventory of what are you doing because I'm not getting the results that I want. Right. So this is the thing. If we're going to walk in spiritual authority. And we're going to speak to things. We're going to speak to mountains and, and watch them move. We're going to speak to circumstances. We're going to speak to the devil and, and demons and unclean spirits. And we're going to operate in authority. Then you've got to do this, uh, this little self-examination. Because this is the thing. You know this. Sometimes you can try to exercise. You can be exercising authority. And you can speak to something. And sometimes it's not going to move. And, that, and you do a little self-inventory. And you're getting all green lights. All thumbs up. Everything's good. It just means just wait. Because it's faith and patience that obtains the promises of God. But this is the thing, don't be afraid to do that self-examination and find out, am I missing it someplace? Because if you, wouldn't you rather, if you're doing something wrong, just like using me going to the gym, for example, if I'm doing something wrong, if I can't get my bench press to go up 15 pounds, 
in two or three months, and I'm still I'm getting out of bed at five fifteen in the morning, go to the gym. If I, you, it gets to this frustration. This is where a lot of people jump ship. Well, bull, is that too real for you? I didn't say the rest. I well, bull. What's the use of getting up that early and going and pushing the weight till I hurt and blah 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 and ain't doing no good and they quit? What's well, that way spiritually? Because you understand, me and Pastor Mike used to say that back in the day when weight training got started, they called it progressive resistance training. And I said, "Woo!" I said, "Glory to God!" That's the way God does it in the spirit. That's the way your spirit man grows. Progressive resistance training. I can't remember where it's at, but the, the word says if you uh, if you can't if you've run with the footman and been weary, how will you contend with the cavalry? Brother Kirk might be able to find that for me. It's one of the it's one of the prophets in the Old Testament. In other words, what the scriptures say. What that scripture is saying is if when if when you've been fighting footmen in the battle, you've been fighting little things in the battle, and you and you get you go, Whoo, man, this is pretty hard. And you're just barely hanging on when you're fighting the footmen, what's gonna happen when the cavalry comes in? The heavy riders come in. Right? Progressive resistance training. Well, so you do this. So you understand this? The, the check the first thing to check is check your love. Check your love walk. How how am I how am I behaving to other people? Am I loving my pastor? Am I loving my congregation? Am I loving my co-workers? Huh? Am I loving my family? Some people say, that might be a no-brainer. I'm going to tell you, sometimes your family is the hardest people to love. Amen? amen? <laughs> Glory to God. That's the biggest amen I've gotten in three years. Glory to God. That's good preaching, Pastor. Woo! Hallelujah. But check your love walk. Now, getting back over here into authority, but I felt like we need to see this is because that is the prerequisite to walking in authority is being submitted to the Word. And, and the Word, if you want to boil it right down to it, is are you loving God and are you loving people? And if you're not, and if you're not doing that, then you're not submitted to the Word and you're not going to be walking in authority and you're not going to be able to exercise authority and that's what we're talking about. Amen? So this, uh, this evening, last week we talked about authority over the devil, demons, uh, and unclean spirits. Uh, praise God. And God confirmed His Word with signs following. Amen? Don't you get moved by the size of the congregation and be, being moved by the, what's in the scene realm because last week we preached on... Do you, do you realize that? Last week we preached on authority over the devil, demons, and unclean spirits and I prayed as I always do and thank God He confirmed His words with signs following and God confirmed His word with signs following. Amen? So you understand this evening, we want to take a look at releasing kingdom authority or exercising kingdom authority through prayer. Amen? Say, so, oh, Pastor, you've, you've preached about prayer a lot. We've taught a lot about prayer. You just can't get past it. You understand that when we're talking about prayer, we're talking about communication lines with God. And, and, and this evening, really, we want to take a, a, a little bit different angle uh, at prayer, uh, looking at some different angles. Because you understand a lot of times when we talk about prayer, um, you know, a lot of people's prayer. I don't know if some of you, some of you have been around long enough. You remember the little video we had about uh, coffee with Jesus? Remember the coffee with Jesus video? That was funny about the guy that he, he meets Jesus at a coffee shop and he starts going through his little wish list and it's it's making fun of our prayer lives. How sometimes when we pray, we sit down and we've got a ten page long wish list of things. Remember what? Remember the one? Remember the part where he said, "Remember my dog? He's got a gimp leg." Remember that? That was hilarious. He's like, "Dude's praying for his dog." And then he gets through praying, and he stops, and Jesus goes, and he's getting ready to talk to him. He goes, closes his notebook up, and says, well, it's been nice talking to you, Jesus. I'll see you later. 
And sometimes if we're not careful, we get to thinking about our prayer life. If we're not careful, our prayer life gets diminished to just a big old wish list that we take to God. And if we're really good, we get this wish list and we dig a few scriptures out to substantiate our, our wish list, right? <laughs> Amen. And you understand this, there's nothing wrong with praying and asking God uh, for things in your life that you need, right? The Bible, even, it, the Bible encourages us to do that. So don't feel bad. I mean, for crying out loud, there's, don't think that there's any uh, you know, compl- guilt trying to be fun. Because the Bible says you have not because you ask not. And sometimes you don't get it because you ask amiss. See, that's why you say God, God is the Father. So you won't be asking amiss. You won't ask amiss for... No, I'm kidding. That's a joke. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right. So you understand, but when we're talking about prayer, you understand that there that there is a, there is prayer that we talk about intercession. And I just wonder, there's so many things that go on in our world today, um, in our lives, in our family, because you understand, we... we you you have a sphere of authority. You you have a sphere you have a sphere of authority over over your life in general. Then it goes on that next le- level of that you know layer of the onion, if you want to say, is is over is in your family. Amen. And 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 really, God has commanded men to step up, and this is the thing. A lot of times, late men don't step up to their spiritual responsibility, and ladies have to fill in the gap, right? They have to. They're not left, or they're single moms, or or whatever. But then. It it go it goes out a little further, but we even have you know uh, the church has authority uh, in the sphere of the city that we live in, our country, the church, or if we does the Bible say we're supposed to be the salt of the earth, brother Kirk? Jeremiah twelve five. You might want to write that down. That's a verse about if you have uh, contended with the footman and been wearied, how shall you contend with the cavalry? Something to that effect. Um, but you understand that. Uh, we've been given authority to speak to things on the earth. And I want us to go, if we will, again, go to Matthew chapter 6. And this is a familiar scripture. And I just want to tell you, do not fall into the trap of thinking, oh, I've heard that before. Oh, we've talked about that so much. Because the most dangerous spot you can put yourself in spiritually is the, oh, I've heard that group. Remember, guard against that. Guard against that. Because the you will you will never exhaust all of the knowledge in one passage of scripture amen but uh, looking at matthew chapter 6 and we look at verses 9 through 13 again jesus's model prayer jesus uh, his disciples asked him how to pray remember that that's the context of jesus teaching this is his disciples said lord teach us how to pray well what that means what we should take from that 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 sometimes people don't know how they ought to pray right because let's just be real honest. There's a whole lot. I've went to ministers' prayer. I've went to ministers' lunch, uh, prayer lunches here in Valdosta. That a lot of what was going on wasn't prayer. The one that broke me of, of really wanting to go to it, and y'all gonna think I'm kidding. Went to this ministers' lunch. And we're supposed to be praying for the city. And this guy is a pastor of First wah, 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 Church here in town. Huge church. This guy's been to a fancy cemetery. I mean, seminary. Excuse me. A smart guy. We're we're there to pray for the city. And this is it. This is a uh, fall before last. And pastor such and such of first church starts praying. So all these pastors will go around the table. And I'm just telling you, it's amazing. 
Because half the junk that's being said, ain't, I'm thinking, man, God, I, I don't want to listen to this junk because I guarantee you God ain't listening to half of it because they ain't praying the Word. They're not, there's no, there ain't no faith there. Half of it's wine-bagging around. Half of it's just just stupid stuff people are making up. And we go around the table, you know, and there's a couple of us that are praying the Word and speaking the Word and believing God and saying, this, God, your Word's it, and putting God in remembrance of His Word. And he gets around this guy, and he goes, Lord, he goes, I just, uh, I lift up Coach Mark Richt for the Georgia Bulldogs. The dogs aren't doing that good this year, and there's a whole lot of people that are saying we ought to fire Mark Rick. Now, I'll say this. I'm a dogs fan, and praise God. I, you know, they could use all the prayer they need. Amen? <laughs> but, uh, but that's not what we're there to pray about. So my point is some people, sometimes we need lessons on how to pray because there's a whole lot of stuff going on in churches that don't qualify for prayer. A whole lot of words being said and amen being said at the end of it, but it ain't prayer. So Jesus is teaching how to pray, and he says, this, in this manner, therefore, pray. Now, understand, he's not saying, pray this prayer verbatim. This is a model prayer. I've taught on this before in prayer that this gives us an outline of prayer. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So Jesus is saying, now, he's saying that we are to pray. Part of this prayer is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Okay, let me ask you something. Because you realize there are a lot of people, and we've all probably, maybe at one time in your life, you believed this way, uh, but you maybe still got people, you know, this case sarah, sarah, you know, whatever will be, will be, Christian. Well, you know, just whatever God wants is going to happen. How many of y'all know that's the biggest lie? Amen. There's all kinds of things. Not everything that goes on is God's will. Amen. Somebody has to bury a baby. Well, you know, it's God's will. Lie from the pit of hell. Amen. Somebody's uh, mama gets sick and, and die prematurely long before a year. Well, you know, yeah, yeah, that was God's will. Lie from the pit of hell. Somebody's, somebody's daddy uh, get uh, a mental uh, disorder and, and have a bipolar disorder and deal with manic depression and, and go on a downer and shoot himself. And someone will go, well, I guess that was just God's will. Lie from the pit of hell. Don't give me that junk. Don't give me that junk after God's will. There's lots of stuff. There's people dying lost every day and going to hell. And that's not God's will. There's marriages being broken up every day, and that ain't God's will. Right? So, but Jesus is saying, so there, there's this prevailing thought, even in the church, that everything that happens, man, it's God's will. Well, now, if that's the case then poor old silly Jesus told us to pray and ask that God's will be done on earth as in heaven. And if that's, if that's the case, if that's the way it is, why would poor old silly Jesus tell us to, to waste our time? Why would we even have to pray that? Why didn't Peter just pull him aside and say, come on, Jesus, um, you know, you acting like you ain't seen the ball since the kickoff. I'm just going to let you in on something. Man, if we don't got to pray for God's will be done because everything that happens is God's will. Right? Is that not ridiculous? Uh, thank you, Rosalie. She says, Rosalie's like, you know, please. Exactly. That's ridiculous. So obviously the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church, is telling us, you've got to pray. You've got to ask God for his will to be done on the earth as it is in heaven. The very fact that Jesus is telling us that we need to do that ought to be a heads up to a thinking person 
that obviously, since Jesus is telling me I need to ask the Father for His will to be done, then obviously there's going to be the tendency for some things to want to go on in the earth that don't line up with God's will, and I've got to intercede. I've got, got to come before God on behalf of the earth, and I've got to lift up that need to Him, and I've got to ask Him for it to be done. Now, you understand this, that... Lord, help me find the right word. There are degrees of effectiveness of prayer. Right? We, that we says for one of the most important things about being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues is that you can pray as you are led by the Spirit, completely bypass your mind, and you're praying out. The Holy Ghost is telling your spirit what needs to be prayed, and you may or may not even know what you're praying about, but just the fact you yield yourself to the Spirit and you allow yourself to pray it, I mean, that's the most effective prayers that you can have, that being led by the Spirit. And another one is, you understand that you don't get this, don't fall into this trap of being a generic prayer that prays, well, Lord, you know, whatever your will is in the situation. Okay? You understand this. This book contains His will. This book rightly divided. Right? Did we talk about this recently? Huh? Second Timothy three sixteen, yeah, that we are to study to show ourselves to be approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. Rightly dividing, correctly, straightly cutting the word of God. So it requires some work. And remember, we said that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonican church because the Bereans daily searched the scriptures to see if the things they were being taught was according to the word. Amen. Now, you know, there's some people that think they're Bereans because they daily search the Scriptures to try to disprove what somebody said. That's not the right attitude. Huh? The, the attitude of the heart is a big thing. Me and Pastor Mark talked about this Sunday evening. We were talking about this Sunday evening driving back to Valdosta. Did the Bereans didn't daily search the Scriptures to try to go, Aha! Gotcha! <laughs> Amen. To say, gotcha, to the preacher. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> The Bereans didn't do that. The Bereans searched the Scripture. They heard something. They thought, mm, that sounds good. I'm going to look to the Scripture myself to, to find that and to find out if that's the truth, right? So this is the thing. When we're praying God's will, we want to be at least like the Bereans where we're studying the Word. Amen? You understand this? And, it, and thank God, man, I'm embarrassed to say the days I used to, when I first went into ministry, that I'd go into a hospital and I'd lay hands on somebody in a hospital bed and pray and pray with them, Lord, if it's your will, heal them. Huh? And that's where I started that. That's where I started that in this thing. I, you know, I didn't always believe things the way I believe now. I didn't always have the light of the Word to walk in. My heart, my, the intentions in my heart was good. And finally one day, it just come on me. I thought, well, dear Lord, why don't I just go out in the hall and roll some dice? For all, for all the good that that prayer was doing, why don't I just go out in the hall and roll some dice? Flip a coin. Heads they live, tails they die, Jesus. You know, whatever, right? And, and you know, begin, to, and begin to start getting hungry. God, this ain't right. What's your word? So we look in the Scripture and we find out what God's will is for a situation. Now, Understand this, this is why it, we cannot place enough emphasis on the importance of the Word and the Spirit. Because this is the thing, because some people say, well now, Pastor Brian, um, the Bible doesn't speak specifically to every situation. You're right. The Word speaks generally to everything. It lays out, it, it will, this is the thing. Um, 
you know, we're, get, we're looking forward to moving into this, uh, this fall. Pastor Mark's going to be coming up. And, and after the first year, Pastor Mark's going to be becoming uh, the senior pastor here. At, amen. Brian, don't let this get on the Internet, right, because they don't know down in St. Augustine yet, right? No. <laughs> amen. Um, except for the praise team that comes up, all right? Um, but we're looking forward to that. And you understand this is that Brother Kirk has a servant's heart, and so he's going to want to try to learn about Pastor Mark so that he can serve him. Now, this is the thing. He's going to carry on conversations with him. He's going to observe how Pastor Mark carries himself when he begins to minister. And he's going to talk to him and ask him things specifically to try to learn. Why? Because you understand this is that, um, and he's done this same thing with me. And I did this with Pastor Huffman when I was on uh, the usher team at, at New Life Church. Uh, and I worked with Pastor Huffman when he ministered, and he laid hands on people for healing, is that you want to learn how a person does a thing so that you might not know how they would act in every specific situation, but you learn a little bit about the person's character that gives you some clues about how they would want a situation handled. Right? So we can get that from the Word. We can get that from the Word. If you learn God's Word, you're learning His character. You're learning how He would deal with things in a general sense. And you understand that there is value to that, immense value to that. You're learning God. How would the Father do this? You know, these little bracelets that were out, you know, 10, 12, 13 years ago, whatever. You know, they were almost cliche. And people, But what would Jesus do? You know, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that people were wearing the bracelets more because they were a fad and less because that was really what they thought. Amen. So the word speaks generally to everything, but you understand the Bible says, uh, is it Second Corinthians chapter two, where it's talking about that God reveals to us by His Spirit, right? He reveals. I'm sorry. Verse ten, Second uh, Corinthians two ten. It says that God reveals things to us by His Spirit, so the Holy Spirit can speak specifically to things that we're supposed to to speak to. So when we're praying. God, and you understand this, the Holy Spirit, is all, everything He says is always going to line up with the Word. There's no contradiction. It's when it says the Lord our God is one, that means there's unity, right? There's unity in the Godhead. So you know the Word when the Holy Spirit speaks, because this thing, the number one key to not being led off in deception is rightly divided knowledge of the Word. You don't ever need to be afraid of being deceived and led off in deception if you have a accumulated knowledge of the Word rightly divided. Amen? So... We need to pray God's will. Jesus said, ask the Father, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So obviously, if we're to ask, God will not do it. Not he can't. Well, in a way, he can't. Like Jesus, that vision of Jesus, he says, I can't do anything. Why? Because Genesis 1.28, God gave man dominion of the earth. There is, a, there is a time that God said, I have created the earth. I put you on it. And, and for lack of, you know, this term has been berated by some people, but it's easy to understand. God says, I am legally given you right of eternity on the earth. I give man the legal right to rule on the earth. And, God, and this is the thing. God, God, you know, God, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Right? We use that verse a lot when we're talking about ministry gifts. You know, a lot of times I've ministered uh, other ministers who have maybe been discouraged in ministry or maybe there's been a moral failure and the devil's tried to tell them you'll never minister again. How many of you know that's a lie? Amen. 
if people in the church, now you understand that it can take a long time for someone that once they've got in something like that for their uh, trust to be reestablished with people. But this is the thing. Just because some minister got off in sin doesn't mean that God, God oh, God's like, oh, oh, look what they did. Okay, well, I'm taking my call off your life. No, it just means you complicated your ability to carry out the call. But God still say you're still going to stand before God and give an account for a ministry and a gift that he deposited in you. And we use that verse a lot. But the gifts and, and callings of God, well, God called man to have dominion on the earth. And so Jesus is saying, you ask. You ask the Father to do his will on the earth. Now let me ask you this. Do, you, do we think that Jesus has the expectation that when we ask, it's going to happen? Sure he does. But a lot of people in the church don't think so, right? A lot of people think that, that well, if we're going to pray and we ask God, and then you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways, right? You ever hear that? The Lord works in mysterious ways. Well, the word, yeah, I'm not even going to get into that. The word mystery doesn't mean what they think it means, right? But he's going to do his word. Jesus did not send you on a snipe hunt. Amen. <laughs> you all know what a snipe hunt is, right? You know what a snipe hunt is? Yeah, you get your little bag. My dad said when he was a boy that my mom's brother tried to get him to go snipe hunting with him out in the woods. He said, you got to go hunting in the dark. And you gotta go find a tree with a little hole on it, and you put your bag on the tree, and you knock on the tree, and the snipes will run out in the bag, and you gotta try to catch them, right? And all it was doing, you was taking somebody out in the woods to run off and leave them in the woods they were unfamiliar with and get them lost. Snipe hunting. My dad, by the way, my dad went out with him, and he beat his future brother-in-law home. He was sitting on the porch waiting on him when he got there because he knew what snipe hunting was. He just played <laughs> along with him. That was my dad. You had to know him. Amen. So. But Jesus isn't getting. Jesus is not sending people on a snipe hunt. Jesus is not sending you on a spiritual snipe hunt, telling you to ask God for something. And hey, you know, maybe you get it, maybe you don't. No, that's not the Jesus that we serve. Amen. So Jesus, uh, that that's in Matthew chapter six. Turn to Matthew chapter eighteen real quick. So if we want to start looking at releasing kingdom authority or exercise. I'm sorry, uh, exercising kingdom authority through prayer, particularly in the realm of interceding. If you're interceding for someone, it means that uh, you are coming between them. Usually it's coming between someone and judgment. And, and you are, the, the judgment is coming, and the Lord, uh, you know, you pray, God, I know that judgment's coming. The, the Lord, the, this uh, person cannot do this without judgment coming. And, and they deserve, but Lord, I feel a burden to pray. I feel a burden to come to you and, and to pray and ask you for mercy on their behalf, Lord. That you give them the opportunity for the goodness of God to lead men to repentance, right? And so, um, Matthew uh, 18, 18 says, um, Assuredly, I say to you, and this right here is just giving us a little more emphasis on the importance of of prayer, the authority that we have in prayer says, uh, Surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, verse 19, let's look at verse 19, and we'll back up to verse 18 real quick. It says, Again, I say to you, if any two of you agree on earth concerning anything that you ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Always remember this is that if that's in the context, anything you ask is in the context of the Word and in the context of God's will. Because some people get ridiculous and say, you know, I've told you before, I you know, heard the story of some guy that uh, prayed and asked God to give him, he's married and he's praying and asking God to give him some other man's wife. 
Amen. How many of you know that ain't God's will? That ain't the word. That's you know spirit. That's part. You know, I don't mean to be crude. That's spiritual retardation. You're gonna ask for another man's wife. You, you're breaking at least two commandments right there, right? Yep. Um, so, uh, verse 18 says, Surely I say to you, whatever you bind on the earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be, bound, will be loosed in heaven. Now, the meaning of this scripture, I think we all pretty much get it, but the, the order of the, wor- the, the, the words is uh, sometimes backwards of what we would think. That word, uh, uh, loose, I mean bind, he says, whatever you bind, that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. The word bind means to twist together, to tie to, or to knit. Because, see, a lot of times we think when we read this, whatever you bind, it's like you're binding something and holding it back. And then whatever we loose, we're letting it come on us. Well, now, the principle, that, that is the principle. But just so we know for the words, that when Jesus is saying whatever you bind, what he's meaning is, is um, can I use your bag right here, Cindy, for a second? What I say is pretend like this bag right here represents the blessings of God. What God said in His Word. If God said in His Word, He said, I am the Lord God that heals you. I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God that heals. By my stripes you were healed. Right? And I see and I see that. And I say, you know what? I want to take that and I want to bind that to me. I want to knit that to me. I want that to be um, to be uh twisted together with me, to be tied to me, to be knit to me, I'm claiming that. And I'm binding that to me. I'm going to hold on to that word, okay? So that's what that word bind means. Well, then there's the other way. He says, it says, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And that word loose means to break up, to destroy, to dissolve, to loose, melt, or put off. So here it is, as if there's sickness on me, if there's poverty on me, there's there's lack and not enough. You know, this is the thing. Then I begin to look at God's word. He says, "Look." He said, "If I, if I'd bring the tithe, He'd rebuke the devourer for my sake. That He would open up the windows of heaven. He'd pour out blessing on me. There's not room to contain." It, you know, and so I start taking it off. And it says, uh, "My God shall supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus." Beloved, I uh, uh, wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. And so I'm loosing that off of me, right? So Jesus is saying, and you've got the authority to do that. What are, or what are we talking to? What are we saying about our circumstances? Are we quoting the word, or are we just making an observation about the circumstances? If we, if we're, if there's perpetually lack, are we sitting around? Do we spend more time talking about the lack or talking about no? God will supply my needs according to His riches and glory. When you look at your checkbook and you've got the stack of bills and you've got uh, the checkbook and the stack of bills, are we talking more about this is, uh, there's lack, there's, there's, I don't have enough, I don't have enough, or are we, say, are we putting our hand on that checkbook and saying, praise God according to His Word, Lord, You said You'd supply all my needs according to Your riches and glory. And God, it doesn't matter if I don't see it right now, I'm speaking provision. I'm speaking that You, that you are the God, You are uh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, my provider, and I'm going to speak that. And Lord, I'm, I'm, I am loosening this on earth. I'm loosening poverty off me on the earth. And I thank you, Lord God, that because I do it, you're loosening it off of me in heaven and it's being stripped off of me. Lord, I'm binding your provision to me. I'm looking at the checkbook saying enough in Jesus' name. I'm saying more than enough. Amen. I'm saying 
that the bills are going to be paid in Jesus' name. And I'm going to speak that. And it doesn't matter. Like I've said this before. So what if they, if they cut your electric off a month? One month of you going out without electric does not mean over the course of your lifetime that you're not going to get what you start saying and confessing over your checkbook, right? So Jesus said we have, the point is, we have authority. You understand this? On your handout says God wants people to pray to give him access to act on the earth. That's the first thing. The second one is Jesus gave his disciples power to bind and to loose things in heaven and on earth. And we get down here, to, we, we gave you this. To bind means to twist together or tie to. And to loose means to break up, destroy, dissolve, loose, uh, melt, and put off. I don't know if I put enough spaces there for all that, but you can get it in there, right? So, and then verse 18, Jesus said, whatever we could agree on, it would be done for us. There is a principle in prayer uh, that talks about people coming together in agreement. Um, you understand that when we start talk, when we're talking about the vision of Anchor Faith Church, we're talking about Ignite the City, Impact the Nation, Influence the World. That if we can get people to agree on this, this is the vision. We don't have another. You know what it is. When, you know what it means when people have when you have one vision. It's called univision. You know what it's called when you have two visions, division. And people need to realize that that when you come in and you don't and you're not speaking the same thing and one person's got one agenda, one person's got one vision, and somebody else comes in and they got another vision, then guess what? There's division in the house. There's no, there's no power of agreement, and you can't expect that. You can't, and it destroys the spiritual momentum that you should have in a place, right? That's why we need to all speak the same thing. That's why the vision for this church is short and simple. We can elaborate on more of these, but this is the thing. We want you to be able to know it and recite it. So if somebody says, well, you know, what do you do down in your church anyway? We ignite the city, impact the nation, influence the world. We all speak in the same thing. Well, how do you do that? Well, you just need to come find out. Amen. Praise God, we're igniting the city, impacting the nation, influencing the world. So, but we have authority. We have the authority to speak. And this is, you know, this is you know, over in Amos chapter uh, 3. Amos 3.3 3 says, how can two walk together unless they agree? So this is the thing. You need to understand that you have tremendous spiritual authority as one person speaking God's word in faith. But it is even greater when two people come together and they agree. And that word agree, it means to be harmonious, to be in accord, or to, uh, uh, or to stipulate, to agree together with. So when we uh, agree together, when, when, we agree, when two agree, when two people walk together and they're in agreement, then there is tremendous uh, power available. Amen? And so if we want to look at some places uh, real quick, looking for how, how God is looking for someone um, to, to intervene on the behalf of the earth, on the behalf of people. God is looking for someone. You know that God has never once in the Word ever executed judgment upon someone without he was desperately looking for someone to intercede on their behalf. He was looking for he was looking for someone that would pray and ask God to have mercy on someone. Um, Ezekiel twenty three thirty. 
Is that what I said? I want to say 20, I said 23.30? 22.30. Thank you, Brother Kirk. Ezekiel 22.30. I want to back up and give you the context. God is getting ready to execute judgment on the kingdom of Judah. I'll give you this, this little nugget right here. I, just let me read this. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, this is verse 23, Son of man, say to her, You are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indignation. The conspiracy of her prophets in the midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured people. They have taken treasures and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. The priests have violated my law and profaned holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and the unholy, nor have they made known the difference between the unclean and the clean. They have hidden their eyes from my Sabbaths, so that I am profaned among them. Her princes in the midst are like wolves tearing prey to shed blood to destroy people to get uh, dishonest gain. Her prophets plaster them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God when the Lord has not spoken. The people of the land have used oppression, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger. I got this little nugget this week, is that you see a whole lot of people that, um, and I say stuff like this just for the fact you're going to hear stuff like this. How many of you know that you that you can hear a, a lot of ministers talking about the, and it's usually the elite ministers talking about how Jesus came and preached social justice, and that Jesus was uh, that when God in the Old Testament when God brought an accusation against the people, because you understand this passage we just read, God's bringing an accusation against the the, the the priests of the people, the prophets, and against the princes. So what he's bring, God's bringing an accusation of injustice to the what we would say the church and to the government. And so he's speaking to these people. And a lot of these people that get off in this social justice doctrine uh, and they get hung up on it, they, they miss the big point. God is saying the reason that the, you understand that all the, this injustice that God's talking about was the fruit of the fact that they turned their heart from God. And so what we got today in a lot of circles is people running around and they wanting to tr- uh, treat the fruit and not the root. That they're looking at the, the, the issues and they tr- we're trying to deal the issues of, of the issues of, of social injustice when if we could just get people's hearts right, then the fruit that they'd start producing would be right. Right? Amen? But anyway, anyway, so God has said, he's telling, he's telling Ezekiel, look, your, your country's a mess, the church is a mess, the priesthood, the, the religious uh, community, it's a mess, the government is a mess. Kind of sounds like America today, don't it? Okay, how long can we go watching the news that we don't hear about some preacher did this, some preacher did that, got off into sin, run off with the money, made some kooky prediction about the end of the world, made a laughing stock of the church, government politicians, this one's running, you know, prostitution ring. This one's sending little Twitter pictures of his naked self. Ridiculous. Morally deprived. That sounds like the day we live in. And so God's saying, I'm, I'm getting ready to judge him. Verse 30 says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Do we, we need to realize that there are times that 
there may be individuals in our life. We, we really need to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost that there are times in our life that God will have you stand in intercession for a person. And here's the kicker. It's probably going to be somebody that's did you wrong, used you for charming, pardon my language, right? And, and, and see, the devil brings that offense along to hurt you and to get you to where you're not going to pray for that person. Amen? And I'll say this, spare me your prayers if you think I hurt your feelings. Because there's such a thing as a perceived wrong, right? Because I know there's people that will say, oh, I'm praying for Pastor Brian because you just know. Spare me your prayers because, number one, the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much and you are disqualified because you're not righteous. Amen? And number two, you don't got to pray for me about nothing because I'm not in offense about anything, right? Praise God. There's a, perce- there's a perceived offense, right? But you understand, God will want you to pray for people who have, sometimes they've deliberately done you wrong. And God's going to say, look, you need to pray for them. Get, there might be cities, there might be companies, there might be families that God's going to say, look, I need someone to pray for them. I need someone to stand in the gap for them because I'm getting ready to judge them and I need somebody that, care, that, that cares enough to ask me to hold back judgment, to give them another opportunity to repent before judgment's brought upon them, amen, before there's an overthrow. And so God's telling Ezekiel, man, I was looking for someone. Well, this is the thing. A lot of people say, man, if God wanted to spare him, why didn't he just go ahead and do it? Like I said, it, this shoots that whole argument of everything that happens in the world is God's will. God's telling you right here, no, 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 no. My will was, this one verse right here tell, shoots that whole argument down in flames that anything that goes on, it's got, everything that happens is God's will because God told Ezekiel what his will was. God said, man, I, you know, I was getting ready to lay a smack down on him and I wanted somebody, I just wanted somebody that would stand in the gap and say, God, please have mercy again. Please have mercy on them. And God said, that was my will, but I couldn't find anyone that would ask me and give me the permission to act on, to do that on the earth. So I had to bring forth judgment because they violated spiritual laws that I have set in place. God's looking for people to intercede and to use the authority that he has given us. Real quickly, I'm going to give these verses because we're running out of time. You, you can write these down. Um, that one, the, here it is, is uh, Ezekiel 23:30. God was looking for someone to stand in the gap. Write these down and you go back, go back and take a look at these later this week. Genesis 18, verses 16 through 33. Um, Abraham intercedes for Sodom and Gomorrah. Now remember, God said, I'll just give you the high points of the story. God said that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah has come up before me and it was a great sin and it was not in hospitality. Some th- I have read stuff theologians have written that said that, that Sodom's great sin was in hospitality because they didn't give the angels uh, uh, lodging when they came into the city. Seems like I remember reading, you know, you read the story, there's not a whole lot of, uh, left to the imagination of what they wanted to do and the fact that the book of Jude says they were destroyed because they went after strange flesh. It actually means inappropriate flesh. They went after. Well, God's getting ready to destroy it and Abraham, and don't you know, and God knows, God says, shall I hide it from Abraham, what I'm going to do, seeing that he's going to become the father of a great nation? And Abraham begins to intercede because he's got Lot down there, and he knows his nephew Lot lives in Sodom, and he knows he's righteous, and Abraham begins to intercede. Oh, Lord, he said, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? And God said, well, no, I wouldn't do that. I'm not going to. He said, if there's 50 righteous people, 
in the city. He said, will you spare it? For the Lord says, no, I want 50. And Abraham's like, oh, God, can't you? And he whittles him on down. What's he going to do? Five, takes him from 50 all the way down to five people. Keeps going down in the ante. You've heard up in the ante. They play poker, they up the ante. He's down He's down in the ante. Okay, God, um, I know about Sodom. Let's, uh, 50 ain't going to work. How about 40? Okay, God, uh, what about 40? How about 30? Gets him all the way down to five people interceding. Well, you know, the rest of the story, the Paul Harvey on that is, is that the angels go, and they can't even find five righteous people in the city. They find Lot, his two daughters, and Lot's wife. Lot's son-in-laws ain't going with him when they leave the city. And Lot's wife turns around and looks back and gets turned to a pillar of salt. So there's three people leave the city. And then you wonder if they were even righteous the way his daughters acted after they got out. The first thing they do is get to the cave and get their daddy drunk and sleep with him. So you're like, dear God, you know, if they'd have dropped it all the way down to... <laughs> If they'd have dropped it all the way down to one, he might have got it. Because some people might want to say, well, now, Lot wasn't righteous because he went out and got drunk. Well, the Bible says he was, he was righteous. It says righteous Lot was vexed by their lifestyle. It says that in the New Testament, that, that Lot was righteous before God. So God was looking for someone to intervene. Abraham wanted to intervene. Amen? i give you another example. Amos chapter 7. Amos chapter 7. You'll see two examples there in uh, verses 1 through 6. God is pronouncing judgment um, on Israel uh, for their sin. And God says, uh, God says, uh, the Lord showed him, Behold, he formed locust swarms at the beginning of the late crop. Indeed, it was the late crop after the king's mowings. And so it was that when they had finished eating the grass of the land, that I said, O Lord God, forgive, I pray, O that Jacob may stand, for he is small. So the Lord relented concerning this. It shall not be, said the Lord. Okay, so God, you get this, get this picture. God pronounced judgment on Israel, and Amos is interceding. Oh, God, please don't let it be. God, have mercy. Basically, God, have mercy. Spare them of this. And then over in verse 5, God pronounced another judgment. And again, Amos says, Oh, Lord God, cease, I pray. Oh, that Jacob may stand, for he is small. So the Lord resented, uh, relented concerning this and, and, and said, It shall not be, said the Lord. Now, me and Pastor Cheyenne were talking about this, and she said, But how do you... Uh, how do you relate that with where God, where God says, I'm not a man that I should lie, nor a son of a man that I should repent. Right? And we know repent means to change the way you think. Well, you understand, God, did, he's not changing the way that he thought. His, God's thought is, I want to extend mercy. He's just looking for someone to pray and ask him for it. So it's not inconsistent with that. Because God, you know, God was getting ready to execute the judgment. His mindset was, man, I just wish I could find a way to have mercy. I've got to have someone ask me to intercede for me, with me, exercise the authority that I've given man on the earth to ask me and give me access to act and to relent and to, ch- and to change what is just a natural result of the, of the spiritual laws that I've put in place. Understand? I mean, y'all got that? Everybody got that? Shake your hand. I mean, you got it. Amen. So, real quickly, last place we want to look, James chapter 5. Very familiar scripture. James chapter 5, starting with verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. 
Again, God using a man. God knew what he wanted to do, but he had God knew he wanted to send a drought on the land. And then after three years, God knew that he wanted to send the rain on the land, but he needed a man. He needed a, a person to pray and to use the authority that he gave man on earth to give him access to act upon the earth. Now, I want you to see this real quick. It says that the, the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man, and we've talked a little bit about you know, binding and loosing when we looked at intercession, really releasing kingdom authority through intercession and, and prayer. It says that the effective fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. That word availeth, the word avail means to have or to exercise force. You can write that down, avail. The effective fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. That word avail means to have or to exercise force. So this is what we need you to realize is the biggest lie and probably one of the most damaging one of the biggest and one of the most damaging lies that the devil has sold the church is there's no use in you praying. When he knows that that's probably the most effective thing that you can do is to pray. To pray God's word. To release, to exercise the authority on the earth that God's given you. And we said this earlier, to do that you have to have a good knowledge of the word. Right? Time spent in the Word is not wasted time. Time uh, spent in prayer is not wasted time. You're arming yourself to be the most effective uh, uh, spiritual force that you can possibly be on the planet. And so this is the thing. God is looking for people who will stand up and say, I'm going to intercede. I'm going to stand the gap. If nobody else does it, I'm going to stand up. Now, this is what we're going to say. This is the practical application of this that we're going to do this evening. It's we're going to speak the word. We're going to go back to Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 46 and 47. And it says that God added to the church daily. Amen. Now, we had a wonderful move of the Spirit. We had a wonderful move of the Spirit Sunday night. This is where if we're going to stand up, we're going to appreciate and enjoy that move of the Spirit. We're going to couple that with knowledge of the Word and practical application of the Word. And, if we're going to, and I'm going to ask you all to, to covenant with me right now to pray daily for this church. God, I'm going to be someone that stands in the gap. Lord, you've kept me here and you've brought me into the kingdom for such a time as this that this church needs me, it needs my gift. I might not fully realize the potential of my gift, but I'm going to pray. And God, I'm going to stand in the gap, and I'm going to lift it up, and I'm going to intercede for this church. And I thank you, Lord. Uh, There in Acts it says says that they had favor with God and all people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Just take verse chapter 2, verse 47, and say, Lord, I praise you. I thank you I have favor with you and with all people, and that you add to the church daily those who are being saved. And so as you begin to pray that, you say, Lord, thank you for Anchor Faith Church. Lord, I thank you that I have favor with you and I have favor with man. Because you understand this. God will give you favor with people. There are people out there that are hungry and thirsty for what you're being taught here, for what you've got, and they want someplace to be plugged in. There are people that don't know anything about Jesus at all. All they know, uh, I mean, I've caught some guy on the parking lot again today, a guy I've been working on for over a year and a half to get in this building. He cuts across the lawn, come back from here. He's usually running down to the convenience store. And I catch him. He goes, oh, man, I go to church every day. You know me. And he's real nice about it, but he, he don't know Jack. He don't know your life. You know, I can tell by looking at the cover of the book. And some people say you can't judge a book by looking at the cover. That saying was around before covers had pictures on them. Amen. Right? 
you can tell some things by looking at the cover of a book. When they made the, you understand what I'm saying? When they made that thing, you can't judge a book by looking at the cover. It's just when it had a plain cover. When they start putting pictures on them and dust jackets with pictures, now you can come to, you know, you can judge a book by looking at the cover now. You know what the content of the book is, basically. You can get an idea, right? So anyway, pray, release your authority. Y'all have been through the fire. Y'all have been through the fire of what's gone on at this church and you all have went through the fire, you've stood strong, maybe you've had questions, but this is the thing. You say, Lord, I'm hooked up with a vision. Ignite the city, impact the nation, influence the world. You've brought me here for a time such as this, and God, I thank you that we had, that this church, Anchor Faith Church, has favor with God and with man, and Lord, I thank you that you are adding to the church daily such as will be saved. And you say, well, what if they're already born again? Amen. The Bible says, uh, in the book of James, it says, the word received with meekness, the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your soul. There's a lot of people out there that are born again, but their soul ain't saved. I won't go into that a whole lot. If you've got any questions, I'll tell you. They're born again all right, but their soul ain't saved because getting your soul saved has more to do with the renewing of your mind than it does with the new birth. Right? So, God, there are people out there that they might be in some church that's dead, that's not teaching them anything, and they're hungry and looking. We ain't trying to steal anyone's sheep, but bless God, I'll tell you what, if they're starving to death in someone else's fold, we'll bring them in someplace and we'll put them under a shepherd that'll feed them the word that'll change their life, right? And there's people out there that don't know jack about God, and they are thirst, they are hungry, they're thirsty, and the world is in a desperate situation, and people out there running around fretting how they're going to make it, what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And we, of all people, we should be, we should be walking in peace. We should be walking in peace just saying, you know what? God, you know, my belief is God's going to take care of me. God's going to do what his word says because I believe it and I speak it and I have the authority to change my circumstances and I won't be moved off of it. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Well, we want to give you the opportunity to give this evening. Hallelujah.